Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. I'm Kevin Fandel, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today I'm talking with Michael Pollack. He's an experienced restaurant professional, having been a server and a captain at some of the finer restaurants in San Francisco and Boston. He's currently at Julia's in Cambridge, Massachusetts. We talk about how he entered the business, some of his early experiences. We talk about the different types of positions in various types of restaurants. We talk about the different environments in fast food up through fine dining. We talk about front of house and back of house. All the aspects of working in a restaurant, and most importantly for this discussion, how they interface with and impact the work of a server. We talk about the importance of knowledge of food and appreciation of food. We talk about wine and how that factors into the effectiveness and the role of a server, and especially a captain. I think you'll find it an interesting discussion about the workings of a restaurant, both what you see in the dining room and what you don't see in the kitchen, and how the role of a server and the more senior position of a captain makes the whole thing come together for people's enjoyment. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Great. Um, for starters, why don't you just give us a little bit of a sense of why and how you got into this line of work? Well, I, my first job, I, I, I got through a friend. It was actually the summer after high school, saving money for, for college. He had been working, uh, I think he started senior year of high school, just working part-time uh, at Victoria Station in, in Burlington, Mass., which is no longer there, but uh, there were a lot of them around the country. Uh, and I was still 17 when I graduated high school, so I was a busser. You had to be 18 to, yep. to legally serve alcohol, although 21 to drink it. But uh, yep. so that was my first. It was just, and they were very good to me. I was able to come home for weekends and holidays and summer and work pretty much as much as I wanted. So it was great mm -hmm. as a part-time mm -hmm. job through college. Wow, nice. Um, did that reflect, were you, uh, you know, a, a quote-unquote foodie early on as a kid? Did you always like cooking? Was there anything um, in the way you were wired that drew you to that? Or was it literally uh, an opportunity to capitalize on a job lead from a friend? I, both. Okay. Uh, I, I think, okay. you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, but we. My mom always loved restaurants. I was my, raised by a single mother, uh, and um, it was always a treat. Whether it was just Friendlies or Denny's or you know a little bit more splurge than that, but it was always kind of a special day and a treat. And we always enjoyed food. Um, I think it also uh, goes back to. We spent an academic year in Italy when I was a baby. Oh. Uh, my father won a fellowship in, uh, to the American Academy of Rome. Wow. So uh, Italian food and wine were always a part of our family. And you know, like I said, my parents split when I was very young. Mm. But uh, both you know, carried that through their whole lives and really enjoyed that food. It's funny. I was never much into cooking. My brother was much more than me growing up into food and and that sort of thing and I was a pretty picky eater when I was young not so now but uh, I think there was always something about restaurants that I always really really enjoyed and so I was just sort of drawn to that that whole industry yep so Victoria station yep. in a um, you know busing capacity yeah uh, and then as soon as I could which was the next summer yeah uh, I turned 18 in December but needed to wait until I had some time to be trained as a server and then, mm -hmm. uh, then was a server ever since then. Okay. And at State of Victoria Station for a number of years, you yeah. said, you know, because it was coming back yeah, and forth five years in total. Yeah. Wow. Good. Good. Um, you said back and forth to college. Um, 
where was college? Syracuse University. Okay. Was did you had you chosen a major? Was it at all reflective of the hospitality business or restaurateurs or what? How does no, that affect? Nothing no. to do with that at all. Actually, no? I was, I, I, it's I was one of the few people that I got into the, the communication school there, the SI Newhouse School. Of yes, yeah, highly, highly regarded. Yeah, right. highly regarded. Right. Hard to get into. I got into it and yeah. I chose to to, to transfer out because I took a couple of journalism classes and I thought it was what I was interested in, but it really wasn't. So. I kind of just uh, got into English, which was a lot of not only literature, but theory, hmm. um, a lot of kind of academic, you know, political theory, things like that, yeah. which was really interesting to me at the time. Yeah. Um, Good. Yeah. Nice. So back and forth from school and the, uh, the, the money making and place to land was Victoria Station. So what happened when you... At some point, you graduated from Syracuse. Yeah, well, I yep. did actually work a couple places at, 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 during college too. It's funny. I got a job actually on campus at the, the faculty restaurant, oh. where I make tips as well. So that was better. And then hmm. uh, the last year or so, I worked at a, a, a just a restaurant in town, hmm. and it was just you know the hours are great for for a student. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and the money was better than any job I could do on campus. So really, yeah. okay. Okay. Um, I'm familiar with the Victoria Station uh, restaurants mostly because of the uh, North Shore of Boston one and having yep. grown up here. Um, so, it, and I know, I know they're not around anymore, but if you give our listeners um, kind of a, the landscape of the terminology and then the landscape of different kinds of restaurants, because we hear, we hear terms like waiter, waiter, waitress, server, um, we hear, you know, fast food, family, casual, fine dining. So so in terms of the positions in the restaurant business, um, front of house, back of house, give us a sense of the general roles that exist in that kind of a business. Sure. Uh, well, front of house, you know, I, I think server is, is the generally the accepted term okay. uh, for someone who waits tables. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. uh, in, in my mind, it, it really is because it became a gender, gender, it's a gender neutral term. Ah, okay. Um, right. So rather than waiter, waitress, a server is all encompassing. Yep. Um, yep. And I don't think there's any real, you know, hierarchy to it. One's a higher position than another. There are some restaurants that really do have a hierarchy, which was my job uh, prior to where I am now, um, which had back servers, kitchen servers, front servers, and captains. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, and and you know it was really kind of held out that way too that if you do the right thing and perform well and and, and, and that know, that know is the hierarchy job. from low to high in terms of responsibilities, skills yeah. required. Exactly. And you, even you run, and so back server, front server, back server, kitchen server, oh, back which ser- yep. is in a lot of places known as a food runner. This restaurant ah. a kitchen server. Okay. Uh, then a, okay. a front server and a, and a captain. Uh, and okay. there's certain some fine dining restaurants use they call it a front back system where um, you know there'll be maybe a server and a back server which is different most places a back server would also be called the busser the uh, same sort of thing yes, yes, yes. but okay. some so this and 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 in some places a front server would be kind of the face to the table where this restaurant was a captain was really the face and did most of the communicating with the guest. And then uh, the who, front who server... Would take, who would take the order? The captain. The captain would take the order. Okay. And the, the, okay. the front server was sort of the, the mechanics, 
um, refilling things and is everything yes, okay? And and there's a lot of uh, what we call measing, which is uh, uh, making sure there's the proper silverware and glassware for ah, the next course. They yep. This restaurant yep. did a lot of tasting menus and um, multiple, multiple courses. Uh, mm. So there's a lot of those sort of things. One guest, uh, I remember it was great, called them uh, a silver ninja because they kind of just came in really quietly and stealthily and, and put new silverware down and and, yep. and with a lot of wine pairings too, so it had to be the proper glass to go with. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so as you go up the the hierarchy of restaurants, you have more of those positions stratified, identified, and... and yeah, really, and I okay. think a typical restaurant, most commonly, I think you have a, a back server, uh, which again is, you know, was known for a busser for a lot of years. I don't know why the terminology hmm. changed, but but if it's into a larger, if it's into a four tier yeah. picture, as and also I think those. people called uh, you know bussers bus boys, which can oh, be right, right, right. Not only you know gender specific, but also a little you know D- demeaning, de- demeaning yeah. exactly. Yeah. Calling a grown man a boy, right, uh, right. so I think they you know went away from that and then they're all we're all servers so they're just different doing different roles but i think a typical restaurant will just have server perhaps a food runner perhaps not and then back servers as well nice and of course bartenders on the bar and some places busy bars will have bar backs who are sort of you know the back servers to the bar their main job is to kind of just keep restocking Uh, and refilling make sure they have everything they need yeah yeah um uh, it's another position related question um maitre d Mm. Tell us about the the role a maitre d plays and how how if at all and if so how does a maitre d interface with a captain or the other servers? So I think it, it does also really depend on the restaurant. I think that's kind of an old school term that is not necessarily being a hundred percent phased out. But mm-hmm. I, most restaurants don't really have a maitre d. Uh, I have worked in a few that have had that position, and they were different positions. They were and I know of others that the maitre d' could be basically, you know, the general manager is generally the front of, the, the head of the front of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and a maitre d' in some restaurants, and I think, you know, especially, you know, in, in back in the day, I guess that old school is, is, might be the general manager would be the maitre d'. Ah, okay. Um, okay. But they also could be a pseudo-management position, sort of an elevated host Right, a host is is generally just someone that has, you know, that responsibility, and that only is just running the the, the seating of the dining room, that making, and the reservations and things like that. Whereas a maitre d is, I think, you know, more of a management level. I've worked in a restaurant where the maitre d was sort of the boss of the hosts hmm. that had multiple okay. hosts okay. working for them. Uh, yeah, and okay. I think in, in the vast majority of restaurants, you know, there's one that just went out of business after I think what forty years was Les Balier. Um, just closed its doors, and I think, and they had a maitre d' there who was. Uh, I think his his role was was multifaceted, but he had been there for a long time, I yeah. think twenty years plus. Uh, but I also believe he was the the cheese buyer. They had a big cheese program with a mm. cheese cart and all that. And I believe mm-hmm. he was the one that that decided which cheese to 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 to, to buy and to, to have available to them. Yeah. So that's you know a different role as well. Right. But right. Again, I think it's kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know what I you know say an old fashioned concept, but not necessarily. But that that no the is fact the fact of, that I framed the question like that it could it could very well mean it's an old fashioned yeah you know that's that's why this discussion is so interesting because it's um, a lot of people still 
who grew up with that language, they just still have that language, even though the roles and the realities in the restaurants is, has moved on. Yeah, right. But certainly, I mean, I think there are a number of, especially higher end, nicer restaurants, a little bit more formal restaurants, and there is that position, maitre d', but I don't think it always necessarily means the same thing um, at each restaurant. Okay. Um, you said higher end restaurant. Let's move to the next um, item that would be really helpful for our listeners to understand. Your perception or, you know, your, your, the generally accepted language for talking about restaurants of different food quality and service levels and menu options, et cetera. Yeah. Fast food at the bottom, fine dining at the top. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tell us what's in between and what, what, in your opinion, are the differentiators that ultimately puts one establishment on one rung versus another? Well, it's funny. I think one of the first things you might say, and we just were talking about this as well, that that might put that a restaurant in the category of fine dining are having simply having tablecloths, having white tablecloths. I don't think that is, you know, you can be fine dining without having tablecloths. And in fact, the really high-end soup, you know, call it ultra-fine dining, that restaurant that uh, was my previous job, um, actually doesn't have tablecloths anymore, even though hmm. they did. And as a captain, one of our jobs was when we went in, the first thing we do was actually iron the tablecloths. So they wow. were perfect. Wow. But they actually, that restaurant doesn't even have tablecloths anymore. Hmm. Um, but so that being said, I mean, I think, you know, the quality of the food and the quality of the service is what makes uh, 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 that category of fine dining. But I think it's, it's sort of a subjective term as well. Hmm. I think some people who, uh, you know, go to the restaurant where I work now um, would absolutely call that fine dining. And I think some people would not. You know, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I I think probably everybody would agree that the quality of food is, but it's also a bit more of a casual, friendly atmosphere. Our our general manager loves to call it uh, a community center because we have Mm -hmm. so many regulars that live in the neighborhood where we are. Um, And I think that's part of its success is that it's just a very comfortable place. True. And I think, too, it's funny. When I worked at that previous job, that really was that super high level of fine dining, um, you know, there are... There's a trend in the country going in that direction. It's very, very small. Um, but I, I think that exists. And it's with Les Balliers closing, that's, you know, there are only a couple of those places in Boston. And I think mm-hmm. Boston, for whatever reason, has a hard time supporting those restaurants. The, what, the, the traditional the, fine dining restaurants. Yeah. yeah. And I think okay. there is even a, a newer trend in the traditional fine dining that are those tasting menu, multiple courses, Mm. there for a long time Mm. with everything, you know, really immaculate. And I think one of the things that defines fine dining is how many rules you have Uh as a server, what you can do exactly specifically, you know, which hand to use. Really kind of the goal is actually so none of it is noticed by the guest, Mm. right? The more Mm. things are noticed by the guest is usually a negative. Um, But, you know, for example, we had uh, at that last restaurant a... um, you know, we would line up and you'd have to have the dish in the proper hand. So you knew because you always serve open-handed. I see. A lot of restaurants really don't care about these rules, and I think that's kind of 
shows a lot of it. But you had to know which table is which because some you couldn't get to from one side because of a wall or a column or whatever it may be. So you had to know, okay, you know. You have to think ahead how you're going to approach the table with the dish. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you could easily be reprimanded for grabbing that plate in the wrong hand. Wow. <laughs> because you need to be prepared going into the dining rooms. Yeah. 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 Um, and so where's the, like a Victoria Station I picture as a middle ground kind yeah. of place. Um, what, you know, tell us about typical server positions in, in that strata of the business. So I think that is typically just having a, a server and a, a, a bus or a back server is pretty much it. You know, there'll be, you know, a few other levels as far as management goes, you know, assistant managers and, and then general managers. Um, there may be bar managers. And, you know, I think that's a, a, a good place, too, as far as the, the level of the food. It was a place I actually always enjoyed eating growing up. Um, but I remember they didn't have, you know, and this was a long time ago as well. They may have changed their terminology since, although I believe the last Victoria Station just went out of business mm-hmm. in Salem. It was oh. the very last. Okay. Uh, but they had kitchen managers. They didn't call them chefs. Oh. So, whereas, yeah. you know, typically you have different names for them, um, but executive chef or chef de cuisine and then sous chefs and things like that. And yep. then, um, but they, but the head of the kitchen was a kitchen manager. And it is just an aside, but um, I want to get back to the server kind of path here. But um, in the different restaurant stratas that you've worked in, have you seen that kind of title difference in the chef or manager of kitchen? Um, have you seen that be reflected in the background and the cooking ability of the peoples that end up preparing the meals? Sure. You do, okay. Yeah, okay. although it's funny because I think uh, uh, people take very different paths to becoming successful chefs. Um, and I think it basically is, is two things. Either you go to culinary school or you don't. Hmm. Um, and, and the second, the latter of not having gone there, isn't necessarily a career it's, a- ending or... or it's not. Then, because wow, I think even okay. people that did go to culinary school, uh, you know, will tell you that you know, it's sort of like, you know, getting a bachelor's, right? You don't really, you know, you, you get this knowledge and a, and a great way of thinking about things, but you don't really learn until you actually enter an industry and start working. Right. And, you know, there are some really, really successful chefs that never went to culinary school um, and that just learned and learned by working in restaurants and working hard. And, and you'll see a lot of actually... And, and mentoring and working with good good culinary chefs absolutely okay yeah yeah Yeah. and you'll see a lot especially younger uh uh, cooks that move around from restaurant to restaurant really quickly that don't stay in them for very long Hmm. you know to move up the ladder into you know sous chef chef you know executive whatever the titles are you know that may not be the best path because you know you stay of course stay in a company you move up right but to get a bigger knowledge base of how different chefs do things and different approaches to food, mm. different skills, you know, and a different knowledge set. Yeah. Um, it's a very common thing to move around quite a bit. Interesting. And how disruptive is that for the server, the server, <laughs> the serving staff, the servers? Um, it depends. It depends. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it can be difficult. Uh, you know, as I've read several articles lately because some big name restaurants have just closed um, and a big issue in the Boston area now is staffing, having qualified 
skilled people. Um, so certainly, if that is going on, that you know people are moving from restaurant to restaurant, it is hard to hold. Right. And you know, right. certainly that can affect um, uh, uh, from the front of the house end as well. That obviously, if the kitchen is not, you know, uh, 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 working at, at its best capacity, right. uh, then it's difficult for Marion too. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Um, so tell me about the kind of the typical shift. So when you come into work, it, it's restaurant's going to start, the front door's open at 5.30, you get there when, and what do you do to get ready for a night? So, I mean, I think the, the, the experience, there may be, you know, some um, specific differences between restaurants but generally in my experience it's been pretty much the same you get there oh, okay i mean where i am now we do open exactly as you said at 5 30 hmm. i get there at four o'clock four uh okay. and we have different things to do to set up uh um you know we we have three servers and so uh we just kind of split up the duties um you know, one is setting up the coffee station. You know, there's a, we clean the espresso machine every night, so there's kind of a, a process, a procedure you need to do to, to get that cleanser out and, and, and make sure it's yeah. know, ready to roll. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, setting up coffee, brewing coffee, and then setting up everything we need from, like, salt and peppers to hmm. uh, sugars that go on the table, you know, yeah. uh, uh, things like that. Um, there's, you know, something simply as like sweeping and mopping and moving chairs around so they're properly set. Um, one thing that we uh, always do is, is we call it detailing, is basically just going through every table and making sure everything's straight and everything's polished and yep. looking the way it should and, um, you know, nice and shiny and new. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, and other things like, you know, simple things like that just to get, get okay. the restaurant you know, there was the one place that I did was the only one that I've ever had to iron tablecloths, yeah. but that's part of it too. So there's, you know, again, it depends on the restaurant, depends on, you know, some, especially smaller restaurants might not have cleaning crews that come in at night. So then, oh, wow. you know, right, the front of the house staff has to pick up some of that. That's good for people to understand that they shouldn't, um, they shouldn't react poorly to that they may have to step out of their idealistic role of of a yeah. server and do some of these other and it's it's quote unquote part of the job yeah right yeah absolutely right you know absolutely I mean, how about any anything that happens before 529 regarding the food itself and the menu yeah so where i work now is at at five o'clock um we sit down uh, oh and I was I jumped okay yeah yeah no, no, no. Yep. That's, but I, I like I said in the the timing may be a little bit different yeah yeah how much time yeah. is allotted to each part of that day um, can change but it's typically the same you sit down uh, we call it family meal because where I work is Italian it's a lot of times it is pasta yeah um, but yeah. I mean it could be anything from hamburgers to tacos oh, to okay. I mean okay. pretty much anything soup you know whatever yep. they have, whatever they're in the mood for. You do the family meal, yep. okay, and, and then um, you know that's where we go over. Uh, you know we have kind of our meeting at the same time as that, uh, which is really in two parts. We go over the reservation report. Um, you know how many who they are, special things to note, you know, birthdays, anniversaries, and, you know, VIPs that we know of that are coming in. VIP could be anybody from, you know, someone that, you know, a frequent, regular, frequent cut, regular exactly. cut. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, if Barack Obama came in, which right. he's right. not, unfortunately. But, you know, I mean, with somebody, just <laughs> right. a, a, a celebrity, whoever yeah. that may be, yeah. um, 
you know, my in-laws. We you know, <laughs> talk about that. that, yep. that yep. <laughs> happened to come in last VIPs night. by uh, definition. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, friends of of of, 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 the, of the staff. Of the, of the exactly. staff. That's right. Yeah. Um, we go over that, and then um, and then the chef comes and tells us about um, any menu changes because uh, you know where where I do work now, we reprint uh, menus almost every day, and they can be subtle changes, wow. like a different kind of mushroom. Um, but then again. Uh, uh, it could be an entirely new dish. It depends on you know whether the menu changes or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but we reprint almost every day. So we'll go over this, go over whatever additions are, and exactly they'll they'll tell us uh, things that that they really want to move, mm-hmm. um, and there are you know various reasons why they want to do that. Right, right, right. But uh, but absolutely, and then talk about things too about you know any changes in the wine list or or cocktail list or things like that. And that'll all go mm-hmm. on at that time. And, and you've been uh, where you are now for a couple of years three or so, years, three yeah, years, yeah. Three. So you're, you know, it's one thing to learn the changes. Um, someone starting out or starting in a new place, is that somewhat overwhelming to, quote, unquote, learn the menu? Because when I'm at places like where you work, um, the servers are incredibly knowledgeable about not just kind of the menu item, but the ingredients, the seasoning, etc. So tell us a little bit about learning the menu. Sure. Well, I think there is definitely a learning, learning curve when you start at a new restaurant like that, uh, because it, it can be really overwhelming. Number one, you have to learn what's on the menu right now. Right. And then, right. you know, it does really depend on the season. This time of year, menus don't change as frequently because uh, there's not as much in season. You know, mm. it depends on the restaurant, of course. But, yep. You know, there is a huge trend, and I hope it continues because it's, I think, better for everybody, but to use local seasonal ingredients. Uh, right. right. And when that is happening, and depending on the season, you know, say when a couple of months from now and first things from spring rolling out right. and everyone gets excited and, and when there are, you know, short seasons for a lot of things and new things coming into season, then the main you can change really frequently. Hmm. So, but back to your question, uh, yeah, it can be it can be really daunting. It can be really overwhelming. Um, and it's something I think everywhere it gets easier and easier because that can certainly depend on, you know, the kitchen staff and if there is a lot of turnover, especially at the head positions that are creating the dishes, mm-hmm. then that can continue that difficulty. But, uh, you know, for example, where, where I am now, um, it's the same owner and executive chef and chef de cuisine since I started, mm-hmm. since actually the restaurant was open. <laughs> so yep. uh, all the title has changed a little bit on the, on the chef de cuisine. But so the style of food is, is, is very similar. Um, so I get to know that style of food over time. On, okay. So the family ideas. meal, and then going over the menu specials of the night, yeah. and, the, and and with a running knowledge of it, it's 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 very, it's very doable. With someone coming in new, their first couple of months, it's, yeah. is is a lot of effort. Then. It is new hires for the front of the house. Now where I work, not only spend one night just in the kitchen, mm. you know, right next to the chef, mm. talking to him, mm-hmm. which is you know, I would have thought would be have been hugely beneficial for me, but oh, you, oh, you didn't get I did not that experience. That. Okay, okay, um, yeah, wow. Uh, it was also, you but know, you came you came with a, a lot of experience correct. already, yeah, and a lot of it's out of necessity too. They needed me to start actually taking shifts quicker mm-hmm. than than others, yeah, as well. Um, but 
also, but the, the, the biggest thing that the, the ones that have been there longer take issue with is that, because uh, we offer a tasting menu, it's a five-course tasting menu, but the last, I want to say maybe five, four or five hires, have come in on a night off and oh. had the tasting menu with the wine pairings, mm. uh, which, you know, hey, yeah, <laughs> I would have loved to do that. Right. But it is actually really uh, beneficial. I think it's it is to, to to you don't know food until you really sit down and and experience it. It's not you know it's not a cerebral thing. It's a sensual thing. It's mm-hmm. it's smelling, seeing, tasting, and that's food is all about. Uh, it's it's. Right. You know, you need to experience it. And a lot of restaurants, too, will, you know, when there's new menu items, will put it up, you know, uh, most, I think most better ones do. A uh, couple of restaurants ago that I worked, uh, which I can say, I guess I can say that, too, because they're not in business anymore. Uh, Rialto uh, oh, yeah. did, uh, yeah. uh, changed a big menu change every season, so four times a year. Wow. And wow. so they would put out everything, and you were required, if it was not your night, if you weren't working that night, you still had to come in, and we would go over everything. We would taste it all. Uh, but that's, I think, a really important part of getting to know a dish. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I <laughs> tell my general manager all the time, "Hey, I'm still waiting for my turn yeah, to come in yeah. for a free tasting menu." But uh, you know, so it's it's both what's printed or newly printed every day or season, yeah. and it's actually the sensual experience of tasting the food and understanding how the seasonings. So when someone says to you, a uh, customer, a guest says at a table, "Is how you know how spicy is this?" You you know, with enough with having that experience, you can say, yeah. "Well, it's I, I, it's all subjective, but I would call it moderately spicy." You know, it's not going to absolutely. And then and then I think that's a, one thing too is over time. I get to, you know, I know that. I know I could, right. without, right now, without trying a dish or seeing a dish or smelling hmm. a dish, I could probably, I could, mo- I mean, I may not be 100% accurate, but I could just see the description of the dish and, and I would know I how see. spicy that is. Yeah, yeah. For a server in uh, definitely the fine dining or the wine knowledge a server has to have, tell us about that because I think a lot of people listening either worked in the chain restaurants and you know everyone's eating every day but wine i think for a lot of people is a whole nother world and it's enough of a challenge to learn you know creative (laughs) complex you know menus and ingredients and then you add on top of that wine so how how does wine knowledge play out in in your experience i mean again i think it can vary very much from restaurant to restaurant okay um and some have have much more of a, a concentrated wine program than others um and it really does depend so you know i can go back to that previous job where i was a captain and that was really main R- focus R- on Rialto. Job. R- yeah Rialto. no oh uh, the, the one before that oh the okay one, all right sorry between where i am now and and, and Rialto. okay yeah, yeah um that we did a lot of wine pairings and it mm. was actually the one of the as a captain really a main job was to know that wine list in and out and it was a very extensive list um and that was a a, a place too where um they actually do a thing after family meal called you know have sort of a meeting of going over everything but then also time that they called wine words which was could be you know learning about wine but about but it could be 
do something about food. We could do a thing on beer, on mustard, or anything. Oh, and actually, okay. as a captain, it was you know uh, occasionally it was actually our job to run that. So wow. pick a topic and do the research on it and teach yeah. teach everybody else. Um, but again, again, that can change very much from restaurant to restaurant. Where I am now, it's an Italian restaurant. It's an all Italian wine list. Yeah, um, and the general manager is the one who, who buys all the wine, so he knows the. The, the wine list better than anybody. So your your commonplace doesn't have an in-house sommelier. The the general manager kind of functions as yeah. that. Okay. He, he, okay. I mean, he definitely could qualify as both. Wow. Um, yeah. And but yeah. it is a smaller restaurant. And so at Julia, we 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 it's an all Italian list. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> an Italian as someone who does have a good background in wine, you know, I do have uh, some sommelier training um, that. Uh, you know, Italy is probably the most confusing country uh, to really master. Um, but so, you know, and a lot of people, especially, you know, we're in America, they may know California wines best, um, look at our list and say, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have lots of resources and, and try to share information. And, yeah. and, and you know, it's in, in the right atmosphere, it really can be just a, a Everybody's supporting everybody. Everybody's learning. Right. Um, you know, we all are in this because we love food. People may love wine more than others. And mm-hmm. People may, you know, enjoy cocktails, but we love that whole thing. And so we're all pretty interested in it. So, nice. so it sounds like there's, there's, at least in your experience, a fair amount of camaraderie in the places where you've worked. And, yeah, and absolutely. Helping new people get up to speed, not be intimidated, yeah. welcoming environment. Yeah. And, Good. you know, again, going back to the previous restaurant, it was actually kind of a, 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 a the company of saying of the wine director for the whole company that, mm. you know, 20 sommeliers are better than one. So she, her job was to really train everybody else up. But in, in my experience there, we sort of kind of all had our own, it worked out well in my time there because sort of people had their own areas of expertise. And so we would lean mm. on each other, even though we were really well-versed. Any one of us could have been a sommelier in a restaurant, uh, in a different, you know, any restaurant. Mm. Um, but, you know, I knew Italian, I think, better than my coworkers. My, and, you know, one woman really knew German and Austrian wines and one really knew French wines. Yeah. So yeah. we definitely would, would, you know, hey, do you know this? What do you think about this? They're looking for this. What yeah. do you, you know, we would yeah. absolutely help out. Uh, yeah. yeah. Great. What has been, this will be a two-part question, what's been some of the most rewarding aspects of having stayed with this profession? Um, it's fun, you know? I've always said my job is to, is, you know, it's kind of like I'm throwing a bunch of little parties every night. It's to make sure people have a good time. Yeah. They're, most people, you know, there's few exceptions that people I think are, you know, intent on, on having a bad experience and there's not a lot to do. Although that's right. why they're most rewarding is when you can turn those people around. Uh, but, yeah. you know, generally speaking, my job is to make sure people have fun and, and have, a, have an enjoyable night out. That's great. Um, that's great. You know, so that's, that's definitely rewarding. You know, the schedule is, is definitely different than the typical schedule. Mm. Um, and it's all I've ever really known as true. as, as a working true. adult. Yeah, um, yeah it, the, the, on that point, the doors opened at, you got there at four, the doors opened at 5.30. Um, 
I think Julia's, I think I saw that they stopped serving uh, at least weeknights at 10, I think. Yeah, correct. So, so when do you, um, when do you, you know, it depends on where people live in terms of their commute, but if the front door is open at 5.30, you were there at 4, when do you walk out the front door? Um, during the week, usually about 11.30. Wow, okay. Weekends, 12, 12.30. Yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and that can vary a little bit from night to night. Yeah. Uh, but generally not before 11, and, you know, the latest probably about 1. Well, okay. Um, All right. Um, so rewarding aspects, it's, you know, the job is really focused on helping people have a good time, which, yeah. which is great. Um, as you look back, what are some things that just really can be frustrating? Did you ever get to a point where you're like, I don't, you know, I don't need this? You know, what, what kind of stuff can be challenging for folks? And, and yet you've, you've stayed with it, so which yeah. is great. You know, probably the most rewarding and the most challenging are the same answer is the people. Oh. Is, is what is <laughs> the <say> people? Oh, <laughs> all right. Yes, all right. You know, and, and yeah. I, I say that you know with a, 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 a you know a little tongue in cheek, but uh, you know people are people, and, yeah. and they can be difficult. And uh, but that's also again, like I said, the most rewarding part too is really uh, having that um, uh, you know making people have a really great experience, especially when it doesn't start off well and turning them around and yeah. making people that you know may have you know come in unhappy or, or something happened early in the experience that made them unhappy but, and turning them around and, and having them leave, you know, and, and they'd say they had a great experience. That's one of the you know, absolutely most rewarding things. It's people have their uh, uh, opinion about how things are supposed to go. Right. You know, I, it, right. it, it does happen, you know, fairly often that people that have no experience at all working in restaurants you know, mm. will have their opinion of how I should do my job. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I'm not going to tell, you know, a surgeon how to operate, but, right. you know, people will tell me how to do mine. But, you know, of course, that's certainly a minority and people, uh, it, we're here, you know, that's why we do it. It's for the people. Mm. It's, uh, so on that note, what, as a wrap up, um, rewarding, challenging, what kind of, what kinds of skills and personal characteristics have you found within yourself and do you see in people that you work with that are more likely to make someone successful in a restaurant environment skills and personal characteristics um you know certainly just a a, a, i think a willingness to do whatever it takes you know and i can say i think the easy answer is outgoing but i'm not always that outgoing in my personal life Hmm. um i i think that, you know, you need to be, obviously, you know, I approach strangers, you know, many times yeah. a day. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think you have to be, you know, jovial. I think you have to be fairly articulate. You have to be, um, you know, understanding and, and, and welp- welcoming. Um, and, you know, knowledge. And, and it is a physical job that we do. We're on our feet a lot. So that stamina is important, yep. especially with a, a different schedule because that's, you know, back just a bit that you know can be difficult you know since the rest of the world works at most you know different hours and right you're uh, starting at 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 the latest at 5 30 and most people are kind of putting their feet up and watching the news by six yeah yeah. exactly and then you know but one of the more rewarding things about just about my schedule as well is i'm you know i spent a lot of time with my children it's a little difficult now my older one's in kindergarten so mm. you know but i'm the one that gets her to school every day and i'm the one that picks her up every day and um you know but i also have a two and a half year old who is um you know basically if i'm 
when I'm unless I'm at work. Right. She and I are together. Right. Nice. So nice. it's yeah. that's you know really fantastic. Uh, my wife and I don't see each other very much because <laughs> she works in schools, so it's completely yeah. different. Uh, so that's uh, definitely a big challenge. But true. Um, yeah, I mean, I think people. It's you know, going back to that schedule too. It's been my entire life. I mean, even when I was a child, a small child, I've never been a morning person. So oh. maybe that's a big reason why I I wound up in this mm. line of work um, because it's an alternative schedule. Yeah, it good, is. Good yeah, insight. Some good, some yeah. of us it just it does really work better for right, right. Well, this has been great. Um, if you have a little more time, I'd like to just thank you for the conversation so far and for our listeners that need to wrap up. Uh, Michael Pollack, uh, tremendous insight into the world of, of restaurants, restaurateurs, serving, hospitality, etc. Um, so thanks for that. And um, if you can stay with us for a bit, we'll be back in a few moments and we'll talk a little bit more about some aspects of the restaurant business that are kind of in the news and public space. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Michael about his role as a server and a captain in a variety of restaurants, both in the greater Boston area and out in San Francisco. We were able to talk for a few minutes longer, and we talked about some broader topics in the restaurant business. We talked about the acoustics and the noise level in a restaurant and how that is used as a way to enhance the ambiance, but also bring some challenges with it. We talked about lighting, which has the same dual set of opportunities for ambiance and challenges. And we also covered the practice of BYOB, the policy of bringing your own bottle of wine to a restaurant and how that varies from the East Coast and the West Coast and the type of restaurants that one might go to. Again, three more topics, very interesting, a real insider's glimpse into how those three things play out in creating a great dining experience. That'll be, again, as I mentioned, in episode 39 to follow.